Welcome to Smart Healthcare Safety from ECRI Institute, where we have real conversations about real safety issues in healthcare. I'm your host, Paul Anderson. More than 5,000 members across all care settings rely on us as an independent, trusted authority to improve the safety, quality, and cost-effectiveness of patient care. You can learn more about our unique capabilities to improve outcomes at www.ecri.org. Today, we're talking about measuring safety culture in healthcare, particularly in light of an updated Culture of Safety survey released by the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality, or ARC. We'll talk about why and how safety culture should be measured, some common pitfalls we've seen in helping organizations do that assessment, and strategies for a successful initiative. To get us started, I'll ask our guest to introduce herself. Hi, Paul. I'm Teresa Arnold. I manage and oversee ECRI's Insight Assessment Services. Let's start with some basics. I always find that's a good place to start is at the beginning. We're talking about, if we're talking about measuring safety culture, let's start by defining what is a culture of safety. Every organization has a shared vision for um, the types of behaviors that they would like their employees to express, especially towards patient safety. And um, in terms of the culture of safety, what they're, what, what's really most important about it is a, an organization's willingness to identify what they're doing well in terms of safety, as well as where are their opportunities to improve. So it's very important for an organization to have that culture of safety, which is something that's shared amongst everyone within that organization. So why is it important, and, and is it even possible, to measure a culture, particularly a safety culture? Yeah, actually it is, and it's very important to measure a culture of safety. Of course, you always have to start with some sort of a baseline to know where you're starting from. So what is your what was your safety culture at one point and then being able to monitor it over time. So using a particular survey for instance does help to measure and using the same questions over time does help to measure what employees or healthcare workers are thinking about the culture of safety within their organization over a period of time. So, you know, if you talk about a baseline, one thing I think about is um, is a score, right? And so if I'm doing any kind of, I'm, I'm, I know we'll talk about some specific um, uh, assessments and surveys as we get into it, but, you know, if I do sort of a, a, a generic survey, safety mm-hmm. assessment, am I getting, you know, a number? Uh, what you know? What am I getting back that that lets me um, make some judgment, some evaluation? Do I get a, it, it, you know? What I mean, do I get a raw number? Do I get a thumbs up, thumbs down, a red light, green light? Like, how am I receiving that information back? Yeah, yeah, great question. Well, the way we do it here um, at ECRI is that we provide those who participate in our culture of safety survey. We actually provide them with a dashboard display which shows them um, how they score in each of the different domains or the way um, we happen to use the ARC culture of safety, as you had mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. So within the ARC culture of safety, there are defined composite measures. So every organization will answer the same questions within each of the different composite measures. And what we then show them is a percent positive in each of these particular 
composite measures. So what's really popular among those who take the R culture of safety is that they have a robust database. Mm. So organizations who take this particular survey are able to benchmark their responses among over, I, I think now there's over 200 hospitals that have participated in it and over 2 million responses that have been collected in their database. So in terms of your you know, thumbs up or you know, how do they um, see their scores, they see it as a percent positive. How well are they doing as compared to other organizations you know, within the the database, and that's and the database holds national benchmarks. Can you give me an example of one of those composite areas? Sure. Um, well, there are many composite areas. It all depends on the survey that's being taken. So okay. currently, ARC has about five different surveys that they administer. So anything from the hospital, which for us is the most popular. So there's a hospital, there's the medical office survey, there's an ambulatory surgery center survey, there's one for nursing homes, as well as community pharmacies. Mm. So it all depends on those care settings in terms terms of the composites that they're measuring. So for instance, within a hospital, it would be communication openness is one. And looking at how well do the healthcare workers or employees feel that communication uh, or feel that they're free to communicate within their organization. They, um, there are also um, other composite measures for hospitals is they can provide a, a patient safety grade for their organization. How, you know, how do they think that their organization rates uh, in terms of patient safety? So there's a very, very broad categories. There's about, uh, about 10 of them in all, okay. and it all depends, and they're very specific to the care setting. And that staff, you know, those participants might include, if, if I'm correct, um you know, ideally will include all levels of the organization. Mm -hmm. It's not like we're just asking middle managers and up or something like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the goal of the organization should be to survey as many individuals as possible. Mm -hmm. So the more diversified the, um, the roles are within an organization, the more rich their data will be. So it's anyone who is rendering frontline care should, um, you know, to anyone who is in a clerical role should be assessed because they have different perspectives that they can lend to the organization. And, you know, working in different capacities, you know, provides them an opportunity to um, see things through a different lens. Mm -hmm. So these types of that, uh, this type of diversification, for instance, is really very valuable and adds to the richness of the data that the organization receives uh, through these surveys. So, you know, you mentioned, Teresa, that part of the value of using the ARC survey for whatever care setting is this national scope of the benchmarking. We mentioned, though, uh, at the top that ARC has recently introduced some changes to their safety culture survey. Uh, So how does that affect the benchmarking for folks who maybe have taken it before and are going to take it again or maybe have not taken it but want to compare their results to the existing national benchmark? How does that new survey throw things? Yeah, that's an interesting uh, concept, Paul, because uh, that's probably one of the most common questions we're currently fielding is, well, now that ARC has released their version 2.0, Uh, which was uh, just in the fall of 2019, Um, which one do I take is a a question that Mm -hmm. we typically get. So I think many organizations have to think about um, 
Well, are they trying to measure data from a previous survey that they've taken? So if they've taken something within the last you know, 18 to 24 months, they may have initiated certain um, goals in terms of, you know, how can they measure their improvement? So if they had a certain intervention that they uh, that they had um, implemented, they want to they may want to measure. Well, how impactful was this intervention? Sure. So they may say, you know what, we want to take the 1.0 again, just mm-hmm. to see where we are in terms of measuring, you know, this type of intervention that we did. Was it helpful? Wasn't it helpful? If there were no particular interventions that a particular organization may have developed, you know, within the last 18 to 24 months, and it's okay to develop a new baseline, then we encourage them to go to 2.0 because we believe ARC is going to phase out the 1.0 in in the near future. And I think probably the time frame is about 24 months. I would say in two years, they're going to phase that one out. Sometime in 22, more or less. Exactly, exactly. They're saying it's usually um, every two years is when they'll collect uh, data for their database. And actually, they're going to be collecting in June of 2020. Okay. And then not again until June of 2022. Okay. This year, they'll collect data for the benchmarking for version 1.0. Mm-hmm. However, come 2022, they're no longer going to accept version 1. So gotcha. there won't be um, any benchmarks any longer available for 1.0. So essentially, they're going to try to start developing the benchmarks more for their new version, which is not comparable at all to version 1.0. Okay. There are different questions. They've changed questions significantly. Up to 50% of their questions no longer exist. And some of the other questions were changed. Right. Now, the wording changed a little bit. So they they really feel that there's no comparison Mm -hmm. between the two. Sounds like we kind of agree with that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So at this point, um, so if anyone should start taking the 2.0, no, there are no benchmarks that are currently available. We need to build up the database in order to get those benchmarks. Right. They're developing the benchmarks sort of exactly. on, as we go. Yeah. Exactly. So that's that's the downfall of it. But um, I think going forward, if you're looking towards the future, um, I, what we're recommending and what we think most organizations have been comfortable with is starting the, the new survey using the, the 2.0, building your baseline, and then hopefully within a year from now, Take it again, and we think at that point benchmarks mm-hmm. will be available to um, to help organizations kind of compare how they are to the rest of the nation. And I'm just thinking that must have also been true of the launch of 1.0 when it launched. Of course. It had no benchmark either when it exactly. launched. Exactly. Right. With any new product, of course, you're not going to have any available data. Right. But once you know, we start using it, then they'll be available. So – I'm going to ask in a minute for strategies and pitfalls as we're launching. You know, you, you mentioned if, if the goal is to get as many people participating as mm-hmm. possible, that's not a small task. So I'm going to ask in a minute about some strategies, some pitfalls in doing so. But first, what's a marker of a, of a good survey? Is it about the results that we got? Is it about the response rate? Like how do I – once I've done a survey, how do I know whether I had a good initiative or not? 
Uh, that's a really good question. Um, well, I think it all depends uh, on the organization because I think they all have different goals, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of participation rate, I would say that would be a marker because currently ARCs, uh, the average that participation that ARC sees through those that actually uh, voluntarily submit data to their database, it's about a 54% participation rate. Okay. At ECRI, we see a similar participation rate as well. Um, so if you're at that at that mark, I would say you've got a decent participation rate. Should you encourage more? Absolutely. Sure. Because you know, the more that participate, it kind of gives you a better perspective, right, mm-hmm. of, of the responses, of the feelings of those within the organization regarding um, patient safety. I'm almost picturing filling in puzzle pieces. And if I've got about half the puzzle pieces in, I kind of know what the puzzle is showing me. Exactly. But the more pieces I can fill in, the more, the clearer the picture I've got. Perfect analogy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that would be one marker to a good survey. Um, In terms of, we, we talked earlier about, you know, what's the score? And the score is, you know, you're looking at for each composite measure, you're looking at your percent positive, mm-hmm. right? And again, what ARC currently provides in, in their original version, the 1.0, are those benchmarks. So in our dashboards, when we display the results, you can see what the percent positive is for each of the composite measures as compared to the ARC benchmark. Okay. So in taking a look at the, the dashboards and the, the benchmarks, if you fall below those benchmarks, you might think, wow, this is not a good result. But you know what? If you started at a certain score and let's say you're at 20 percent and then your next survey is 40 percent, hmm. but your benchmark is 60 percent, you're still below the benchmark but you still made progress. Right. So that might that might be a better or a good result for a particular organization. Mm. I think everybody wants to be at least at a benchmark or right. exceed, you know, the national average, but it all depends on, you know, what what the baselines were and it's going to be unique to every sure. organization. So yes, participation rate is always a, a good goal to shoot for and and Getting a higher percentage to participate each time, you know, is certainly worthwhile. But again, you know, what's good to one organization may not be good to another. Right. So it all depends on um, kind of their their structure. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned the benchmarks, and everybody wants to be at or above the benchmark. Well, we, it's one of those we can't all be above average, right? Kind of scenarios. <laughs> That's not how averages work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we've helped a lot of organizations go through not just the, the safety culture survey, but other kinds of assessments and, and proactive assessments. And you know, what are some pitfalls? What are some things that we've um, either seen ourselves or, or understand to have happened in other organizations where it just gets in your way if you're trying to run a successful survey? There are two main areas that we see pitfalls. One is not being prepared. And two, not marketing the survey and mm-hmm. letting people know that it's coming. Mm-hmm. So in preparation for it, what you need to do is decide within either your single hospital or multi-hospital health system, what organizations are you going to survey? So is it going to be one hospital? Is it going to be all of your hospitals? 
And then within the hospitals, are you going to uh, assess one department or are you going to assess multiple departments? So there's a lot of decision making that goes on ahead of time to decide who's going to participate in the survey. And once you decide what departments or who's going to participate in it is how many individuals from those particular either um, hospitals themselves or specific departments are going to participate so that we can keep track of, and we were talking about participation rates, so that we can monitor that participation rate for you. The next pitfall that we see is marketing. The way that we administer a survey or send out a survey is through a link. So if those who are expected to participate in a survey don't know that they're supposed to participate, they may think, well, you know, this is, it's, you know, spam, it's junk mail, right. and they may not even give it a second thought. Organizations really need to market and at least tell their employees that a survey is coming and letting them know that their feedback is valuable. It's valuable to the organization. The organization cares what they think about and, you know, they would like for them and they encourage them to participate. So um, and even getting the support of, you know, someone in a, you know, in a leadership position is even better in order to help champion the project and to really help with that participation. So once once they receive a survey, they know what it's about. Mm-hmm. They know what's expected of them. And why. Right? Exactly. Exactly. So those are the two pitfalls that we see is number one, being prepared for it, and number two, making sure that marketing efforts are put in place so that everyone knows to expect it you know, and knows that their, their information, their feedback is going to be valuable. If those are the pitfalls, let me ask this question from the other direction then. What are some keys to success? Are, are there things beyond sort of that preparation and, and internal marketing? Are there other things leadership especially can do to really prime the pump? to get the kind of, of response rate that we're looking for? For leadership, it would behoove them to actually work with their staff. So it could be um, other leaders. It could be department supervisors. It could be getting everybody on board to make sure, first of all, that they're comfortable with the entire process, understand the process, so that they can relay it to their teams. Getting that participation is um, also making your employees feel comfortable, feeling mm-hmm. that there's not going to be any reprimand. In, in terms of our particular survey, they're completely anonymous. We have no idea where the responses are coming from, and we certainly do not, you know, so we cannot relay that to the organization. In fact, if there are less than three responses that come in from any, either any facility or any department, or for any particular staff role, we don't show the data because mm. we don't want anyone to be able to guess. It's too close who to might, be exactly yeah. who might be you know responding in a certain way. So we we've put that threshold in place in terms of anonymity. Mm-hmm. So um, so again, I I think this should make leaders feel comfortable in um, in allowing their teams. Or, or their employees to to be honest mm-hmm. in their surveys, so that you know what, if, if they lie, it's not going to do the organization any right. any good, right? It you know, so they need to be honest, and they should feel comfortable and not feel there's going to be any um, reprimand for the manner in which they respond. 
So say my organization's results are not great, either overall or there's a particular area. It's really, you know, it's far below benchmark. It's not what I want to see. In response to that, I'm assuming, first of all, that we would argue that you shouldn't just bury it and pretend it's not there, right? We want a little bit more transparency than that. So what what are, are there good and bad ways to handle that? In other words, um, you know, do we try to build on it or do we, I'm assuming we don't want to let it hang out there and just be a big dark cloud hanging over that department. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, transparency, honesty is always the best policy. Because hopefully in your marketing efforts, you'll let them know that, yes, you know, their feedback is valuable, but you're also going to let them know what the results are, Mm -hmm. right? So if you're going to ask somebody to spend time taking a survey, well, then you know what? You owe it to them to let them know what the results are going to be, either good or maybe not so good. And the thing is, you know, if the results aren't what you're expecting, you, yes, you should be transparent about it. But the upside of it is, well, we've identified what our opportunities are for improvement, and this is what we're going to do about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would imagine that organizations come up with action plans, right? So if they feel in any of these composite measures that we talked about earlier, if, for instance, um, you know, they found that um, individuals did not feel comfortable or free in questioning the authority Um, of their leaders, for instance, well, maybe they'll put some sort of practice in place so that employees will feel comfortable in questioning if, you know, if, if they do have a question about something. If something is done out of the ordinary and they're not familiar with it, we're hoping, right? As patients, we're hoping right. that those who are providing care to us will question our, you know, question their actions. So, what we're hoping um, from the assessment and from the assessment results is that, um, good or bad, the organizations are going to take that information and use it to their advantage. Right? Mm-hmm. We want individuals to feel comfortable responding uh, in an honest manner. And if they've done so, we need to be honest. The organizations need to be honest with themselves. And the thing is, is they need to come up with either an action plan or certain processes to strive towards improvement. What will make our organization better? So um, although, again, that although results may not be what they expected, they need to learn from it, put practices in place that will help improvement, and... Um, and to work with the staff to ensure that hopefully next time that they'll get uh, their scores will be higher if that's what they're looking, you know, that's what their aim is. Well, and to, you know, you mentioned earlier this idea of taking the same survey again in, in 24 months because I want to see if the interventions I put in place actually did have the desired effect. Absolutely. That's, we talk about that as such a part of the process, right? You don't stop by putting an intervention in. You monitor it and see if it's doing what you want. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, again, sometimes these um, these scores could be blessings in disguise mm-hmm. because you, without the survey, you may not have identified it. Or, right. you know, the, at least doing something similar to this, it helps at least proactively identify where the opportunities might be in an organization and to then, you know, to give them the opportunity to respond and to do something about it. I always try to wrap up our, our discussions um, by asking 
what's something we can do today? So we talked about, you know, to run a successful survey, there's a lot of preparation and ground that needs to be laid. We can't do that all this afternoon, right? That's a process. What's sort of our one or two starting points if I, let's, let's say I've never done a safety culture survey in my organization. You mentioned there's a couple hundred hospitals that have submitted to the ARC database. Mm-hmm. That leaves several thousand that have not. So let's say I'm one of those and I want to get involved and I want to submit to the ARC database. I can't do the whole thing this afternoon. <laughs> Where do I start? Yeah, good, good question. Um, my recommendation would be is if, in fact, they're interested um, – either in the ARC survey or in any other type of culture of safety survey, is to look at their website. Um, I'm most familiar with the ARC website. Going to arc.gov gives you um, a really clear indication of what the survey is about. It provides an example of all the questions Mm. that are on the survey. So we maintain the integrity of the survey. So those are the exact questions we will use in our system when we launch a survey. Um, It provides a user's guide. It provides reports from previous years on the data that's been collected. And I think that will give um, somebody an opportunity to become familiar with what the survey is about. The other thing I would suggest is certainly um, looking at the ECRI website. We have information about our culture of safety survey Mm -hmm. and also contact information. Our team is more than happy to uh, field any questions that anyone might have about how to get started Mm. with um, either with the culture of safety survey or any other type of proactive assessment. We're happy to talk about our process and um, and help anyone try to achieve the goals that they're looking for. All right. Teresa Arnold, thank you so much. Thank you, Paul. Learn more about how ECRI Institute can help with proactive risk assessments, including the ARC Culture of Safety Survey, from the ECRI website at www.ecri.org. You'll also find there an overview article on safety culture from our healthcare risk control program. The article is open to non-members for free access. Be sure to subscribe to Smart Healthcare Safety on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts to get our latest episodes. We welcome your feedback. Please visit us at ecri.org podcasts or email us at ecri-podcasts at ecri.org.